Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. And oh boy, do I got a show for you today. Again, a big thank you to everyone um, who picked up my book, Spygate, The Attempted Sabotage of Donald Trump. We are still, thanks to you, in the top 100 on Amazon. It's available for pre-order now. You all are the best. I appreciate it. Hey, I've got some... uh, Joe, I didn't tell you this before the show because I, he even asked me, he goes, what are we going to talk about today? I said, I'm going to tell you. Mm. Um, great piece in The Federalist by Margot Cleveland who found a footnote in this FISA thing that's going to blow your mind. Huh. And it fits right in with what we've been, what have we been talking about, Joe, for months? The push, right? Yeah, yeah, the push. That How was a big thing. It's, it's not just that the Trump team was spied on. It's that they were probably, based on the information we've compiled in the book and everywhere else, that they were framed, that they were set up. Yeah. That's been, right? Has that not been like the $64 million question here? It has, yeah. So, folks, this is going to get really, really good. Margot Cleveland found a footnote in there that I think is going to blow a lot of this wide open, um, and it's going to really kind of – hold on a sec. Let me see what I – there's an OK button on my screen. It's driving me crazy. Okay, great. Um, That's going to really blow your mind. You you can leave that (laughs) in, Joe. Usually Joe Uh cuts it out, but we're uh, doing a bit of a road show today, so – uh, today's show brought to you by our folks, uh, our friends at uh, Omaha Steaks. Sorry, I got a little bit distracted there. Hey, summer's here. What better way to kick off the grilling season than buying your own Omaha Steaks package? Grill together. Enjoy 24 of the butcher's favorites with the grill-ready collection for just $39.99. You know, when you when you get you sign up with Omaha Steaks, show, they send you a package of their of their of their stuff. Their their meat is just oh, yes. awesome. Oh my god, isn't it great? Omaha Steaks, and it's it's so competitively priced too. It's really really good. Their filet mignon it melts in your mouth. You don't even have to. You, you just you could almost gum it. You don't even need teeth. It's so tender. It's it's absolutely delicious stuff. This is the highest quality meats out there. One of a kind flavor. All beef is USDA inspected for quality and aged for 21 days. It unlocks the full flavor and tenderness of those cuts. All the best cuts of beef, bison from the Golden Plains, globally sourced and fresh frozen seafood from World Port. Seafood, poultry, pork, via lamb, vegetables, desserts. They give you some cuts, too, some pairings. Omaha Steaks gives you the option to customize your cuts for your grilling needs. You can find recipes, wine pairings. Just check it out at the website. The food is absolutely delicious. You are not going to find a better cut of meat for the money. You're just not. It is absolutely delicious. Even my... uh, my six-year-old, who it, it gets tough for her to eat anything other than the macaroni and cheese, loved the Omaha steaks we had. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I think she has just snowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's like, but she asked for me. She's like, can I have some more of that? I'm like, even though it's my six-year-old, I'm looking at her like, you sure? You sure you want more of that? Yeah, I want more. You sure? Because that, you sure you want? <laughs> uh, right now, Omaha Steaks is giving a limited time offer to our listeners for the summer. Go to omahasteaks.com. And type Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, in the search bar, okay? Don't forget that. Go to the search bar, type Bongino in the search bar, and you can get this Omaha Steaks grill-ready collection for only $39.99. That's 80% off. 80% off. Here's what you'll get. Two tender filet mignons, two beefy top sirloins, four juicy boneless pork chops, four boneless chicken breasts, four all-beef Omaha Steak burgers, four traditional uh, traditional kielbasa sausages, four award-winning gourmet jumbo franks, one Omaha Steak seasoning packet, plus get four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets for free. Again, get this limited-time package for only $39.99 when you go to omahasteaks.com, type Bongino in the search bar, and add the grill-ready collection to your cart. Don't wait. You'll want to get this offer soon for the summer. omahasteaks.com, type Bongino in the search bar. Fire up. Fire up that grill. Okay. 
So the Mifsud story, folks, I, you know, I know this case as it drags on. A lot of you are wondering, okay, where's it going to end and what's going to be the breaking point? I think the breaking point is what the FBI is still hiding. And I believe what the FBI is still hiding is the potential use of a additional an additional asset that was pushing information into this campaign. Now, I want to tell you, I, I know Sean Hannity. I'm not a name dropper. I'm not trying to impress you. Uh, but he said something last night in the show at the end of the show with the TikTok that something big's about to break. Mm-hmm. I'm being 100% honest with you. I did not. I was supposed to do the show last night. Um, I'm in New York City, but the, they had Eric Trump in. So we're going to go back to the the, you know, the regular schedule next week. I didn't do it last night. I didn't see Sean, but I have a pretty good guess what that thing may be. Mm. So just to reestablish where we are, so you understand this spy gates, whether you just tuned in today for the first time or you've been tuning in for six months, the government spied on Trump. We know that now we, we know they used FBI, um, FBI assets and Central Intelligence Agency assets to try and spy and pull information out of the Trump team about Russian collusion. It would be no different analogy wise if I thought Joe was you know guilty of robbing a bank. He wasn't. And I kept throwing FBI spies at Joe. Joe, did you rob a bank? Joe, did you rob a bank? Joe, did you rob a bank? That's what we know so far. I've told you if you've been listening for the last six months that I believe the real scandal here, which I believe we're going to be vindicated, has been the push. It's not that they tried to pull the information out of Joe about robbing a bank or pull the information out of the Trump team about Russian collusion. It's who pushed it in. Who pushed it in? So, Margot Cleveland in a, a please, I know I say this a lot, read the show notes. Please read this at the show notes at Bongino.com. If you're on my email list or if you subscribe to it, I'll send these right to you. Margot Cleveland picked out two gems. Now, let me go to the two takeaways. The takeaways are about Mifsud. Now, if you know how this case started against Trump or how the FBI alleges it started, the FBI keeps sticking by this story loosely through leaks and otherwise that the case started with a low-level Trump surrogate by the name of George Papadopoulos who met up with Alexander Downer, an Australian diplomat in a bar in London. Right, right. And said something about dirt on Hillary. Right. Now, why would they so vocally and strongly and vigorously stick to that story despite the fact that that story seems highly unlikely? Now, Joe, why does that story seem highly unlikely? Because, ladies and gentlemen, if we're having a conversation about politics and we're in the political space and I'm talking to someone, a diplomat or otherwise, and I go, hey, listen, I'm running against Joe Ormacost for Congress. Man, the Russians may have dirt on him. Can you imagine? Ladies and gentlemen, we'd all be under federal investigation. There's no probable cause there. No PC. No PC. Right, right. There's nothing there. There's no there there. But the FBI has been just passionately sticking to the story that it's an inconsequential, nearly nonsensical conversation had in a bar when nobody even knew yet that the DNC was hacked that opened up this entire investigation where, where George Papadopoulos talks to Downer and says, oh, they, they may have had dirt on Hillary. Even Downer seems to think, based on his, some of the interviews he given he gave in the public, that this wasn't much of a, uh, of a, of a, of, of a revealing situation at all. Mm-hmm. Why do they keep sticking to this story? Because the predicate event to that is the bombshell. The predicate event to that, because remember, this happens in May. 
The Papadopoulos Downer meeting happens in May. The predicate event to that, where Papadopoulos gets the information. Remember, the push. Who pushes it in? That happens in April. That's a meeting with this Maltese professor, Joseph Mifsud, who I've been all over on this show. Because the circumstances surrounding Mifsud, Mifsud are highly suspicious. The Democrat liberal media swamp rat narrative they want you to believe is that George Papadopoulos, this dirt comet, he got this from this Maltese professor in April. In April, this Maltese professor, Mifsud, meets with him. And the allegations, according to the Democrat story, is that just Joseph Mifsud was some kind of a Russian agent. Mm -hmm. So then, Joe, the case would be at least somewhat plausible. Yeah. A Russian agent meets with a, a Trump advisor, tells him about dirt on Hillary. That Trump advisor a month later meets with an Australian diplomat in London, says, hey, the Russians have dirt on Hillary. That would make sense. That maybe that maybe not a full-blown counterintelligence investigation, but it's certainly something maybe worthy of inquiry, right? Yeah, yeah. That assumes one thing, though, Joe. That assumes Masood was a Russian agent. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What if Masood was a Western intelligence asset? Now, sorry for the background, but it's important. Yeah. Now we go to the Margot Cleveland piece. Point number one, take away from the piece. Mifsud, in February of 2017, comes back into the United States to speak at a global ties conference. This global ties conference is a, is a conference held in conjunction with the State Department. The State Department has some interactivity with them on this. They have some influence on it. What the heck is Mifsud doing back in the United States in February to speak at this conference? Oh, and at the exact same time, he's interviewed by the FBI. Oh, how about that? How about that? How about that? Joe, wouldn't that be a great cover story to mm. get him back into the United States without arousing suspicion? <gasps> Hey, look, we've got this conference. This guy would be perfect for this conference. Oh, oh, oh. And this State Department's already worked with the FBI on the Trump case. How do we know that? Because Jonathan Weiner of the State Department, Hillary Clinton, John Kerry acolyte, already wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post saying that he met with Christopher Steele, that he passed information about Trump onto the FBI. So the State Department nexus to the FBI State Department, by the way, a bureaucratic diplomatic entity. This is not a law enforcement entity at all. Now, DSS, their protection passport fraud arm is, but the bureaucrats have no law enforcement powers at all. The State Department holds a conference, or or I should say, to be precise here, is working with this, this uh, entity, this Global Ties Conference. They're getting speakers in. They get a speaker named Joseph Mifsud, who conveniently meets with the FBI, during the same time period this conference is going on, and then he disappears. Poof. Great cover. Never to be yeah. seen again. Yeah. Now, we mentioned this before in a show. I don't know. I always get the dates wrong because we they all blend in now. We're up to lucky seven, seven triple seven. Folks, we mentioned this about, I don't know, it had to be at least three months ago about this State Department Global Ties Conference. I'm not saying that, that like, hey, look, look at me. Margot Cleveland, does, she found something really, the second one, this, is, oh, this gets better. What's interesting is Cleveland, in the Federalist piece, goes over the FISA up reapplication in that period, Joe, that January through March period where the February, obviously January, February, March, the January through March 2017 FISA period. She goes through the FISA app 
And she's looking in there for little tidbits of information. Now, you would think based on the unredacted now public FISA app in that January to March period, if they interviewed Mifsud Joe, who's this big Russian agent, and told Papadopoulos about all this dirt on Hillary, that there would be some explosive new revelations about Papadopoulos and everything and Mifsud and Mifsud's disclosures and all this other stuff. But no, there's almost nothing in there. Maybe because there was nothing new. Maybe because he was not a Russian agent. Who exactly was Mifsud working for? I don't know what Sean was hinting at last night, but I'm telling you right now, people are closing in on Mifsud fast. And I'm telling you, if you've been listening to the show, we've been on this for months. This is the scandal. The scandal is the push. Who pushed this information into the Trump team? Because if it was pushed in, he was framed. That's what being framed and being set up is. Pushing a false piece of information into an enterprise you're targeting to pull out later to use as evidence of a crime you made up. Now, the big takeaway. So again, point number one about Masood from this latest piece was the State Department's working with this Global Ties Conference to get Ms. Sud in the country in February. Was that all a front? Was that all a front to bring this guy back into the country without arousing suspicion just to get him in FBI hands to say, shh, quiet now, Joseph. You can't reveal what you did for us here because if you reveal that you tried to set up the Trump team, oh boy, this whole thing, the can of worms will be worms will be everywhere. We'll be cleaning worms off the floor, the table, napkins, <laughs> our computer, everything. Was the State Department working with the FBI to get this guy back in here? Folks, now it is that a lot of what Devin Nunes has been talking about lately, how there were no official channels. And how he, he mentions in a lot of his Maria Bartiromo interviews about the connection to the State Department. Mm-hmm. Does this make sense now? How a bunch of bureaucratic political players, we know we're coordinating with the FBI. That's already on the record. So that, that's not in dispute. You can be a liberal and be a denier, uh, Spygate denier all you want. That's, that's your call. That's already out there. Weiner's already admitted to that, a State Department official in a Washington Post op-ed, an effort to cover his butt. Maybe that Washington Post op-ed, Joe, was an effort to preemptively strike at the bigger story later, which was the State Department's efforts to work with the FBI to coordinate the push, to coordinate the actual activities of an FBI intelligence asset working to push information into the Trump team for the purpose of framing them. Okay, that's, listen, number two gets here. I don't mean to keep teasing you, but if you don't get past number one, number two won't make a lot of sense. All right, very good. So again, number one, FBI State Department coordination question mark. Mm -hmm. Did they do that? Is that why Mifsud spoke at this conference? Why was Mifsud interviewed right after that conference? Was there some knowledge and, and coordination? Why did Mifsud disappear after that? Mifsud has never been seen again. Again, it's not I mean it's a conspiracy theory stuff. I'm not suggesting he's dead or in some other planet or, you know, in the twilight zone. <laughs> I'm just telling you, Mifsud is out of the public space. That's just a fact. If you can find him and, and interview him, that'd be great. We'd love to hear from him, too. But nobody can. 
Okay, point number two. This is where it gets really good. Let me just read to you from uh, Margot Cleveland's piece. This was a genius pickup, okay? She says, looking through the FISA. Now, keep in mind, the FISA she's looking at, this is important, is the renewal in the January to March period where Mifsud, the push, comes back into the country for this State Department-sponsored working with Conference Global Ties. She's like, if there was anything significant about Mifsud being a rough Russian agent, shouldn't it have, shouldn't have been in that renewal? You see where she's going with this, yeah. right, Joe? Mm-hmm. If, if Joseph Mifsud was the Russian agent who told George Papadopoulos that there was dirt on Hillary and he's the nexus and the connection to this whole thing, then why, when they interviewed him in February, is there almost no information about it at all in the FISA warrant? Maybe because he was working with the FBI, not the Russians. Isn't that crazy? So she looks at the footnotes in the renewal. She says, of particular note, the footnote included a new Freedom of Information Act exemption notation. Which allows the government to withhold information that could be reasonably expected to disclose the identity of a confidential source. Yes, Margot Cleveland. Nice work on that one. Oh, oh. Yes. Yes. Wow. A new footnote. A new footnote which appears in the re-up for the FISA application in January, in the period of January through March of 2017, when the FBI interviews the guy who's allegedly a Russian agent who told Papadopoulos about emails, his friends deny he's a Russian agent. They say he's a Western intelligence uh, source. The bureau brings him in. They interviews this guy who's supposed to have the keys to the kingdom about the Russians. They mention almost nothing about his interview. Why? Maybe because they'd already known him. And in there, there's a new footnote at asking for an exemption from the Freedom of Information Act because we need to protect the identity of a confidential source. Yep. <sighs> Folks, I, again, I, I can't tell you. I, I know Sean is very well connected. Mm-hmm. But is this what they're hiding? Now, Again, if you're a listener to the show, you're not surprised by this. But we, I did not catch that footnote. I didn't catch it. I we you know we've been exhaustively researching the book, and one of the problems, um, one of the problems you have when you're doing the book is we have so much detail in there about other things that are, like I said, really going to blow your mind. Especially the British motivation, you're going to be floored. And there are so many angles to this perverse case. The Brennan stuff we have, the all the stuff we it, it just never ends. We have it laid out by characters too. Now we hit on all this Mifsud stuff, and you'll come to the same conclusion from reading the book. But the footnote, which just came out, but we went to publication. But the footnote really seals what we've been saying the entire time: the likelihood that Mifsud was in fact a Western intelligence asset working with us and friendly intelligence the entire time is probably the deepest, darkest secret of this entire scandal. Why the heck? Now, I know I can be a little confusing. My wife sometimes. Because it's such a complicated case. After the show, it is. Yeah, she, yeah. She'll say, like she said to me the other day, you know, when I did the show about is the CIA with the CIA hiding an overseas op potentially is that what they're worried about too? She didn't get it, and I had to say it very simply to her. We have handshake agreements with intelligence partners that are friendlies to us: the UK, Canada, New Zealand. That we're not going to conduct 
uh, CIA intelligence ops on their soil. What I was trying to bring up in the show is, did we do that? Is that what this whole case is? A CIA op against Trump on foreign soil. And how much did the British know about it? Read the book. You'll figure it out quick. But this case here, I, the, the, the biggest scandal of the entire operation, I've been saying in public speeches and anyone who will listen, has been not was the, the Trump team spied on. We already know that. We know Stefan Halper, a central intelligence agency asset, was contacting members of the Trump team for information. Ladies and gentlemen, none of that's in dispute. That's scary enough. The Trump team was spied on. That is scary enough. The, 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 the most frightening part of this whole thing, though, is, is the information he was trying to pull out. This asset working for the U.S. government. Was it put in by the U.S. government, too? Now the story becomes, understand why this is so devastating, folks. The story becomes then, not just was the Trump team spied on, but was the Trump team set up? Why is this a problem for Democrats? They can justify six different, and I'm using justify loosely, the Democrats and the liberal media, six different ways from Sunday, a reason to spy on anyone, Joe. Because what, what the, think about this, Joe. I'm not trying to set you up here. Mm. But if I'm a corrupt intelligence official or an FBI manager and I want to spy on you as a political candidate to mm-hmm. ruin your career, what can I always hide behind? I can always hide behind sources and methods. Sources and methods. In other words, Mm -hmm. you know what? I can't disclose while I was... Meanwhile, keep in mind, the whole thing is BS. I'm spying on Joe strictly because he's a political candidate I don't like. Are you tracking me? Yeah, man. But as a bureau agent who's potentially corrupted or an IC agent, an intelligence community operator, Mm -hmm. I can always hide behind the fact with the spying narrative that we did it because sources and methods gave it up, but we can't disclose who those sources sources and methods are. And a brick wall will go up every time. That's what the Democrats are doing. Do you understand? This is mm. what they're doing. Every time they they go, well, okay, we didn't spy on Trump. That was narrative number one. Then it's, we spied on Trump, but we had a reason. But then it was, we spied on Trump and it was a FISA warrant. Then it was when we saw the FISA warrant. Well, it was a FISA warrant, but then it's the information you don't see in the FISA warrant that's devastating. Then it was, well, let's see the information we don't see. Well, no, no, there were other reasons outside of that. And they, they will always raise the yeah joe please tell me you get this because if audience i love you to death this is from 628 on this is the capstone right here this is it they are they are uncomfortable enough with the spy narrative but they can run enough interference to hopefully drag this thing out win back the house change the chairmanships on the to democrats and make this whole thing go away they cannot possibly there is no way they can cover up none a scandal to frame him none there is no law enforcement uh framing gu- guidelines to framing a suspect <laughs> there is none of that there it, this thing will be devastating when it comes out that this guy was potentially a Western intelligence asset used to set up and frame a political team. You understand there is no way to explain that away. Are you tracking this, folks? This is critical information, and it's why for months on this show I have been pushing this and pushing this and pushing this. That it's the Mifsud story that is the devastating part of this. Was the FBI coordinating with the State Department to get one of their assets back into the country 
so they could interview him to shut him up. He has since disappeared. We have not seen him. We have not heard a public statement from him, nothing. And secondly, did they disclose to the FISA court after they interviewed him that the reason they were spying on Papadopoulos is because Mifsud was one of their assets? And if Mifsud was one of their assets, was Mifsud responsible for setting them up? Papadopoulos and the Trump team, that is. With the dirt narrative. Remember, the time Mifsud meets with Papadopoulos and says the Russians have dirt on Hillary? Nobody knew about the DNC hack, Joe. Do you guys understand why, how critical that is? The whole Russian collusion narrative to take down the Trump team, the entire thing, ladies and gentlemen, is that the Russians hacked the DNC. They tried to share the information with the Trump team, the, the nasty DNC emails, that the Trump team then worked with the Russians to get those emails out there. It is a complete, you understand this is a total fabrication. There is zero evidence at all that any of that, zero, none. Mm -hmm. Making it even worse, when Papadopoulos meets with Mifsud in April and meets with Downer in May after that about the dirt on Hillary, nobody knew about the DNC emails. The DNC email story wasn't even public. You may say, oh, well, when they were talking about dirt, that's just because no one knew. Maybe Mifsud knew about the DNC hack, and that's what he was talking about. No, because that's not what Papadopoulos told Downer, Joe. In other words, if Mifsud had said something about DNC hacks and DNC emails and Mm -hmm. Papadopoulos was the keys to the kingdom and he was running back to the Trump team, oh, look, they've got DNC emails. It's not public yet. Why didn't he tell Downer that? Did you hear what Downer said? Downer, in a public statement he gave recently, said Papadopoulos never even mentioned the word emails. He said dirt. What does dirt mean? They've got pictures of her doing bad yoga? What the hell does that mean? You understand the whole email story is a complete fabrication? It's made up. Mifsud never mentioned emails to Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos never mentioned emails to Downer. Now, I want to tell you my theory on this. What this is all after I read this piece yesterday, I'm like, oh my gosh, now it makes sense. F- folks, I, you know me, you know my prior line of work. Okay, again, everybody gets it. I don't mean to beat you over the head with it, but it's important. I was a federal agent for a long time. I enjoyed it. It was a great job. But sometimes you get ahead of yourself. It's a job like anything else. I mean, Joe's job when, you know, me and Joe wanted to start doing video a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we got ahead of ourselves, too. We we're like, let's do that. You know, and, and we were trying to get all kinds of equipment. And Joe and I were like, you know what? Let's dial this back. Let's focus on the audio product. Let's get you get ahead of yourself on any job. People mm-hmm. get excited. Um, as long as you don't breach the bounds of, of ethics, it's okay. And it happened to me as a federal agent. I remember I got a call about a guy, um, I, you know, out of respect for him. He's, I'm not going to say his name, of course, but you know who he is. Most of you have seen the movies. And uh, I got a call about this guy and a fraud and his name came up. And it was going to be a really, what do you call it, like a sexy case, Joe? If we cracked this case, it would have been a big deal. You know, you would have been in the media and everything. And listen... You know, you're human like everyone else. You're like, wow, this is cool. This would be. And we got it. it, Now, the case was real. It wasn't. But the case was not as 
wasn't as great as it seemed. You know what I'm getting at? Yeah. When we started to dig into the details, it was kind of a lot of fluff stuff, mm-hmm. and it really was more of a local case than a federal case. Um, we had to move on, but I wound up losing a friend over it because I got ahead of myself. I called the United States Attorney's Office, and I'm like, hey, here's what we got, and the United States Attorney got all excited, and a friend of mine who had given me the case had never given me permission to do it, Ooh. to call him, the AUSA, the intake <laughs> AUSA. Now, I, he didn't say not to. Right. So I'd assume, and he got mad at me, and needless to say, he was a postal inspector. We never spoke again. He was really mad at me. He's like, oh, you got to head now. They're going to be looking for this, and it ruined the whole case. And I always, to this day, obviously, I'm still talking, but I still feel bad about it. Folks, here's what I think happened here. Mifsud, I I have no longer any doubts based on voluminous, again, read the book. It'll be clear as day. Mifsud was clearly working with Western Intel. Whether it was the United Kingdom in conjunction and on orders from the CIA or working with the CIA, I'm not sure. Mifsud somehow is instructed based on some information they think they have about Trump colluding with the Russians. I don't know what it is. And I want to be clear on this. I am a big supporter of the of the Trump. I mean, I wrote a whole book on this. I am a big supporter of the Trump team. I think Trump was done wrong big time. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I'm not going to lie to you and tell you there was absolutely nothing. I'm telling you there was nothing criminal and there was certainly nothing counterintelligence wise worthy of an investigation. But like the case I had where the postal inspector called me and it really wasn't as big of a deal as it seems, I'll go. I can almost guarantee you some foreign intelligence outlet looking to kiss the butt of Hillary Clinton whether it was a Baltic state or, or, the, or the United Kingdom, whatever it was, may have looked to ingratiate themselves to what they thought was going to be the incoming Hillary Clinton administration. They come up with a tip that, I don't know, a Trump business associate had some deal in Russia. It's probably not illegal, but I don't know, maybe it elicited some suspicion. What happened? Like me, FBI guy gets excited. FBI guy, see, I may have, I, I actually, I should, let me correct that. I, I'm, reasonably confident was a central intelligence agency asset at the top passes it to known partisan brennan brennan likely meets with them they activate a source they say you know what let's feel this out the source meets with papadopoulos the source says something about dirt with papadopoulos papadopoulos meets with downer talks about dirt People get excited. They're like, well, this has to mean the emails. Look what we've got. The emails, the DNC hack becomes public. They're like, look, that's what the dirt meant. Meanwhile, the dirt didn't mean anything because the dirt was a plant by them in the first place. They get all excited. They want to go, look what we've got. We've got a presidential candidate spying with the Russians. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, I think this was a cascade of errors based on hubris, based on political targeting, based on malice by John Brennan based on malice by some people in the FBI who could have shut this thing down just going through the Woods procedure and verifying the information. But I think this is a classic case of law enforcement and intelligence entities getting way ahead of themselves, letting their egos dictate the case, not the facts. You see, is this making sense? Yeah. They, they, get, a tip, they get a tip, Joe. Yeah. Hey, you know, Armacost is working with the Russians. Meanwhile, Joe... I don't want to bring that up. It wouldn't be fair. But Joe, yeah, I was going to bring up something about little Joe, but uh, that wouldn't be right. <laughs> but Joe, let's say Joe knows someone in a foreign country. Yeah, it, It's not illegal at all. But Joe's running for president and someone says something to a guy that hates Joe. 
Then they're like, oh my gosh, we got to do something about that. Do something about what? Well, Joe met with this guy in a foreign country. So, well, it could be. uh, Well, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing wrong with doing an initial investigation and probing stuff. There is something wrong with getting warrants. All of a sudden, this, you know, these people don't like Joe. They're like, well, listen, we've got a, we've got an asset. He can meet with Joe and I got an idea. Have him just like throw something out there, you know, like, hey, Joe, um, you know, we have some dirt on Hillary. Then all of a sudden, Joe, a few weeks later, is in a bar, whatever, in Moe's bar from The Simpsons, right? And he's talking to Moe, and he goes, man, I heard the, you know, that they may have some dirt on Hillary. Yeah. All of a sudden, the information then gets back to the FBI again. They're like, oh, my gosh, look what happened. The dirt, the dirt again. Here's the dirt. Yeah. The dirt came from them. Right. <sighs> this is crazy stuff. Yeah, man. yeah. That's easily, yeah. yeah, we're good, we're good, yeah. And, and, and I just, I'll leave it with this because I do have a couple other stories to get to. But this is just that footnote. That footnote is the key to this. Why would the FBI, right after interviewing Mifsud, in that FISA reapplication in that same time period, why would they insert a footnote asking for an exemption from the Freedom of Information Act? In other words, we're not going to disclose this. Because we don't want to disclose the identity of a confidential source. This also explains, by the way, this also explains why the Democrats keep saying, no, no, sources and methods. We can't disclose that. Sources and methods. You notice again, Shifty's been awful quiet. Mm-hmm. Adam Schiff. Shift A. He's been awfully quiet mm-hmm. about unredacting the blacked out portions of that FISA application. If those blacked out portions describe the operation to work with Mifsud or someone else to set up Papadopoulos in the first place. This whole thing collapses, ladies and gentlemen, because you can cover up for spying. Sources and methods, we've got other information. You cannot cover up for framing a presidential campaign. I'm telling you, you read the book, it is clear as day. The footnote will make total sense. All right. Today's show uh, also brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. Ladies and gentlemen, Field and Greens is one of the best products out there. Uh, Brickhouse Nutrition took a long, long time to put this together. They have a doctor on staff. They do the uh, the highest quality control you can have. This stuff is terrific. It is a fruit and vegetable powder. Why does that matter to you? Well, we all know we're supposed to be eating fruits and vegetables. We all know that. I mean, who doesn't know that, right? The problem is it's tough. I mean, you got to go shop for them. You got to prepare them. They're perishable in many cases. Um, and some people, candidly, just don't like the taste. Don't worry about it. Field of Greens has solved that problem for you. Brickhouse Nutrition put together this product. This is not extract, folks. This is real, wholesome, healthy, high-quality fruits and vegetables. All those colorful ingredients, those micronutrients, macronutrients that make your life better. We all know fruits and vegetables are the key to good cognitive health, good health. Just a general feeling of well-being is a good, healthy diet. This is the fuel you put in your body. Why would you put garbage in there? You don't put garbage in your car? Why would you put garbage in your body? Your body's being rebuilt constantly. Rebuild it with the highest quality food products known to man. Field of Greens is one of the best products out there. It is absolutely delicious. What is it? It is a fruit and vegetable powder. It's not extract. It is ground up real food, real, genuine, high quality fruits and vegetables. It's not some cheapo pill. It's not a bunch of ground up grapes. This is the real deal. Blueberries, kale, all that stuff. And it tastes delicious. You take a scoop. I throw it in some OJ, I throw it in some V8, I throw it in green tea. You can put it in water, you can put it whatever you like. In your smoothies, it doesn't make a difference. Put it, it tastes delicious. I really enjoy the taste. This stuff is terrific. Go give it a shot, and I'm telling you, give it a couple weeks. And take note of how different you feel after a couple weeks on this. 
Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up your bottle of Field of Greens today. You will not regret it. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Field of Greens. I, I swear by it, folks. When I give it to my kids, my wife, everybody in my house takes it. And I've never felt better. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up Field of Greens. Okay. Um, I have to tell you, folks, that was one of the most enjoyable 30 minutes of the show I've done. I, I hope... I don't know. Maybe it's because I like putting this puzzle together and I've really enjoyed it. And I know a lot of you've come on this journey with me Mm -hmm. since episode 628 on and our show has gone up by, what, about a factor of 10? (laughs) The audience, I mean, we're now the number two conservative podcast in the country, thanks to you. But I enjoy putting the pieces together and I hope you do too. Because I think now you can be reasonably confident that you have not wasted your time. You know, there are a lot of sites out there claiming they have information on stuff. I don't get into it a lot. Um, but when you go back and you look back, you, know, you look at the predictions and you look at what's happened, you'll see a history of getting things wrong. One of the things on this show is, you know, we don't want to be first. We want to be right. And Joe and I are always apt mm-hmm. to say, hey, Margot Cleveland picked this out. Conservative Treehouse guys picked this out. Um, Jeff Carlson, Markets Work picked it. We have no problem with that. This is a this is a, too important a case for anybody to be concerned about. Well, I was for it. doesn't matter. What matters is we as a country get this right. And I don't want you to think you're wasting your time. We have been telling you for a long time, based on high quality information, that the real scandal is Mifsud. Read that piece. It'll make sense. All right. Um, moving on. Um, some great news. Uh, I have a couple other stories in the show notes today about the economy. I, I, I know you, you, a lot of you too are probably thinking right now. Well, what about that other story? Or, and hold on, just stand by. Even <laughs> the one I talked to you about before the show, Joe. Right. I'm debating how to uh, handle uh, this. Okay, I, I know why. Yeah. Yeah. So give me a minute on this because I'm. Yeah. So Hank, don't go anywhere. I was going to say something. <laughs> yeah, I know you were. <laughs> um, I want to get to this first, though, because it's important. So yeah. there have been some rumblings out there amongst left-leaning economists that the 4.1% GDP growth number we had in the last quarter, which is outstanding, outstanding, not unprecedented, uh, it, quarterly speaking, in quarters, measured not annually, quarterly, not to be a wise guy, but some liberals keep confusing the two. Quarterly speaking, Obama hit 4% a couple of times as well. I think four times to be exact. Again, we're interested in facts and fairness here. Now, Obama was an awful economic president. I mean, you know, he, that, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that because Obama never hit 3% annually. A lot of those were quarterly blips. So having said that, the leftists have been saying, well, you know, the number hit last quarter, the 4.1%. One is not unprecedented uh, because it's been done before. And secondly, it could be a blip just like it was under Obama, which is kind of an interesting analogy. Like Obama sucks and Trump is going to suck as much as Obama. Like that's your defense. I mean, isn't that kind of <laughs> whack? That's like, are you guys serious? Like that's your defense? Is that some kind of academic, uh, uh, you know, survey data you put together? I mean, it's just pure idiocy. Um, but- I want to, I, obviously, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I have an interesting piece in the show notes from uh, Business Insider, how the next quarter GDP numbers, folks, may be even better. The Atlanta Fed, which does a metric called GDP Now, it's a, a, a prognostication tool for measuring future output to guide people in the future what the economy may look like. They put out a GDP Now number, which regularly engages in predictions for the next quarter, uh, the next the GDP that's going to come next. 
they're not always right, but they're rarely off by more than a few points. They're predicting the next quarter, folks, will be high fours, even five. Mm. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you a couple things right here. I think the next quarter could be 4.8, 4.6. But I think annually we have the chance to get well over three, which will be that never happened under the Obama years. Obama, statistically speaking, from a growth perspective, is the worst post-recession president. Matter of fact, one of the top five worst economic presidents of all time based on cumulative GDP growth. And that's how we measure economic growth. I'm telling you, I think the leftist predictions that this 4.1% growth was a blip and that the economy is going to slow down or nonsense. Here's why. Kim Strassel has a good piece in the, in the Wall Street Journal today that lays out some of the really good stuff going on. It's, it's, she's kind of saying how Trump's tweets are interfering with this good message. I, I, you know, that, I love Kim Strassel. She does great work. And I, I get it. I totally respect her point. But I'm going to focus on the good stuff because I just get tired of the media. And that story gets old sometimes for me. Here's what's coming up. The Chinese are panicking, folks. They're panicking. Trump imposes 25% tariff. I addressed this the other day. The Chinese now are saying, we're going to impose 60 billion more tariffs. Listen to me. I hate tariff wars. I hate tariffs in general. But the Chinese cannot win this. You understand? They cannot win this. They absolutely cannot win. If we go to zero tariffs or close to it on a number of products with the EU, the Chinese that export far more to West of the United States cannot win this. They will have to come hat in hand or they will starve. They bought a boatload of soybeans from us in the last quarter because if they tariff our, to- our soybeans and make them expensive, their people will starve. Mm-hmm. Folks, I'm not kidding. Oh, well, they'll find replacement. But yeah, they will. They may find replacement products, but not in the scale we can produce them. We are the world's biggest economy. The Chinese are going to have to. They're, they are, we, we will break them on trade if Trump sticks to this. I'd rather see it go. Listen to me. I'm not a tariff guy. I'm not changing my position at all. Make right. no mistake. But if the weapon to get to zero tariffs is the threat of tariffs, mm-hmm. as Trump has shown can work in the past with the EU, I'll take it right now. Secondly, lefties are freaking out. Trump just uh, introduced through his uh, administration a, a new car emission standards, the CAFE standards, yeah. the fuel efficiency standards, uh, corporate average fuel economy standards. This is great, folks. This is huge. This could be a billion, multi-billion, tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars boost to the economy. Why? The fuel standards Obama imposed were draconian. They were forcing car companies to make cars people don't want. A lot of crappy little boxes nobody wanted to buy people want their f-150s they want their raptors they want their expeditions they want their explorers their tahoes their suburbans they don't want little crap boxes they don't want microwave ovens with wheels unfortunately american car companies which honestly don't make those cars very well they don't we just don't nobody likes them they have to make them joe because they have to get an average fuel economy of their fleet that's like seventy-two thousand miles a gallon or some ridiculous number it's high Mm -hmm. and it's going up so basically american car companies have to make cars nobody wants and take massive losses trump finally his administration came in yesterday um announced that they're going to give a good hard look at these corporate average fuel economy standards and they may scrap some of those numbers and targets and let car companies actually build what they want. Ladies and gentlemen, this is huge. This is huge. It's huge for a couple of reasons. Joe, what's your biggest expense after your 
your house, your car, right? Yeah, yeah, my fuel. Car, yeah. Or if you get a kid in college, maybe your kid in college. But Joe, Joe's uh, driving. Yeah, yeah, driving. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, if these cars that if we're now building cars where you're looking at twenty five hundred or three thousand dollars more. By the way, these are not unrealistic assumptions. Built into the price of the car in order to offset losses from crappy cars, nobody's buying, and those numbers are scrapped now. And Ford can get competitive, and Chevy can get competitive. And start to build cars two and three thousand dollars cheaper. Magnify that across all the drivers and the new car purchases in the United States economy. Ladies and gentlemen, this economy, combine it with the tax cuts and the deregulatory push. And if we can get some control on spending, oh boy, we are looking at astronomical levels of growth we have not seen since the Reagan years. Thousands of Americans would die. Of course, Bernie, that's that's inevitable. That's always, of course, as with everything. Knew that was coming. I missed that one. We haven't heard that in a long time. <laughs> Thousands of Americans. We need that after each one. So, Joe, <laughs> yeah. cue that one up, okay? So, oh, we're going to zero tariffs potentially with China when we break uh, when, when we break them on trade. Thousands of Americans would die. We're going to dump a lot of these car uh, fuel economy standards and get American cars cheaper for American consumers. Thousands of Americans would die. Trump's looking at scrapping a lot of these garbage payday lending rules, which are preventing lower American, lower income Americans who don't make a lot of money from getting access to payday loans. Thousands of Americans would die. The Endangered Species Act, which is preventing a lot of American uh, farmers and folks who deal with the land outside from accessing the land from a higher economic purpose, purpose, but for conservation too. Thousands of Americans would die. He's banning the IRS, Trump, from accumulating nonprofit taxpayer information that they would use in the past under liberal administrations to target innocent Americans who did nothing wrong. Thousands of Americans would die. He is preventing Obamacare from preventing people from buying short-term, cheaper plans more conducive to their families' health care needs, Joe. Thousands of Americans would die. <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. That was good. I didn't see that coming. Joe is uh, completely taken over. He's ter- he's pirated the soundboard. He's prevented me any access from the soundboard from this point on. Uh, folks, you see how all of this stuff, the IRS rules now, Obamacare being scrapped, the Endangered Species Act. Now, finally, we're getting a more realistic conservation policies, payday lending, preventing lower uh, lower income Americans who can't access loans, uh, but was putting them out of business. Cars would be cheaper. Chinese breaking them on trade finally. This is all coming together at the same time, folks. All of it. Don't think for a second this GDP thing is just a blip. Now, the final piece of the puzzle is we have got to get control of this government spending. I'm begging anyone in the Trump administration. I'm on bended knee here. Please, the country's going bankrupt. If we can finish off this final piece of the puzzle and get two terms, and at a minimum, Joseph, at a minimum, Get a hard lid on nominal government spending. Just put a cut. Yeah. Listen, I would love to see cuts, folks. But if at a minimum we can just put a lid on it for now and let the economy grow out of this a little bit, folks, we could be looking at smile a little bit. Smile. We could be looking at eight years. Just Levels of prosperity you never, ever expect in your lifetime. Regular rates of 4 and 5 and 6% growth over 6 and Even Reagan didn't do that over 6 and 7 years. 
Reagan had a great economy, don't get me wrong. He had four or five solid years in a row. If we could hit four and five percent for six, seven years, oh gosh, folks, the compounded economic effects of that over time, the average income in America, average would be close to $70,000. Dano, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I think a lot of people are probably going to want to know the answer to this. What, yes. what does this mean to the regular guy and the regular family? No, no, that's a good point. Ladies and gentlemen, here's what it means to you. Interest compounds like anything else. Um, Interest compounds on a loan. So if you take a loan for $100,000 and the interest rate's 10%, every year that interest rate compounds. And if you fail to pay the interest on that loan, so let's say the first year it's Mm $10,000, and the payments you make on the loan, Joe, only accumulate to $9,000, I got news for you. You're, you didn't touch, not only did you not touch the principal, you're now paying interest on an extra $1,000 oh, in yeah. the loan. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, this is not good. That works in reverse, too. If we can start growing the economy at a higher rate than we grow the budget and at a higher rate of inflation, what will happen is the debt, even though it's catastrophic now, it only almost $20 trillion, the debt as a percentage of what we owe starts going down. Folks, think of this. It gets complicated when it's done on a national scale. It's a good question, Joe. But think about it in terms of your own wallet. Right. If Joe makes eighty grand a year and grows his income at 5% a year, right? Mm-hmm. So at 5% a year, Joe's going to start growing significant amounts of money. Joe be at, he'd be at 84, and yeah. then you take 5% of 84 the next year, Joe be at almost 90, and then the year after that, Joe's at you know 96, and then 100, and then 110. And, and Joe's, all of a sudden, Joe's income, just like the country's income, that's what GDP is, a general measure of the country's productivity. There's a general national income, too, um, the gross national income as well. But Joe's salary, say, in six, seven years is now $150,000. Now he's growing at 5%. 5% of $150,000 is a whole lot more than 5% of what it was at 80. This stuff compounds over time. Just like interest compounds on a loan, it compounds on growth too. Folks, if the national debt grows, the spending levels of the United States, if we were to cap them and grow them nominally at nothing, we're going to hold it right here. We'll still be accumulating a lot of debt. But finally, what will happen is we'll grow our national income at a faster rate than we'll grow our debt, and the debt becomes less and less significant over time. Because the entire economy now is worth $20 trillion. We owe $20 trillion. If we can grow the economy to $30 trillion or $40 trillion, all of a sudden the national debt, folks, is only half of what it was before, and we did nothing. Nothing. All we did was grow the economy. Mm-hmm. This is critical. Does it make sense? Yeah. This is important stuff. Yeah. Good question. Thanks, man. Because that's why growth, growth, growth. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why these GDP numbers matter so much. They compound on top of each other. It's not even a, it's not a quarter or a year that matters. It's, it's compounding on top of itself. It's like a, 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 a ge- it's geometric growth. This is, this, is what, this is why Trump has mattered so much. This is why, by the way, the Obama administration has is, is averaged 2% growth each year. It was so devastating. Ladies and gentlemen, the historical average of the United States is well over three. Do you know what one percentage point of a trillion dollars is that we lost every year under Obama? Do you know how much money that is? We, this is how much money was lost because Obama couldn't even meet our, our, our 200 plus year average. Pathetic. All right, one more story, and I'm. This is a tough one. 
But uh, today's show brought to you also by We the People Holsters. Hey, Supreme Court nominee Kavanaugh has been blasted on social media and liberal news outlets as the man who will steer the Supreme Court towards broader gun rights. Hate to break it to you, but your old friend Barack Obama actually opened the floodgates of gun ownership sales during his presidency by wanting to increase restrictions on gun ownership. That is true. He was some good. They write these ads, by the way. This is a, we the people are great. They don't mess around. Boy, did that backfire. A perfect example is over at our friends at We the People Holsters, which has been selling like crazy, by the way. We the People Holsters, they custom make their holsters and they make them right here in the USA. They do not use third party molds. They make them right here in Las Vegas. They update designs every month and they measure every firearm they have a holster for with absolute precision. I have two of these. They are wonderful. I have them for my Glock 43. When you put that firearm in there and you get that click, you know that thing is secure. It is the most comfortable holster I have. I love this thing. It is absolutely terrific. They have an adjustable can and an adjustable ride for maximum comfort. You want to put it on the side of your waist. You want to put it in the front where the hip bone is. You can adjust it. You can adjust the tension on the holster as well. little turn to the screw, a little bit tighter. little turn to the screw the other way, a little bit looser. That's up to you. They have custom printed designs they produce in-house. They have their own team that does this. They have the thin blue line, thin red line, the Constitution, camo, and American flag, and more. The holsters start at just $34, and they come with a lifetime guarantee. They also come with free shipping. If it's not a, fur, a perfect fit, send it back for a refund. You won't need to. You won't. Don't even worry about it. But it, they will. They'll send you. Their customer service is great. Go to wethepeopleholsters.com slash Dan. That's wethepeopleholsters.com slash Dan. Here's the deal for you. Listeners of this show, use promo code Dan, D-A-N, and you'll get $10 off your first holster. That's just $24 with free shipping. Come on. You're not going to get a better deal than that. We the people holsters.com. Okay. So I was talking to Joe about this before the show. And given the sensitivity of the matter, the matter, sound like Loretta Lynch, the matter. <laughs> Call it the matter. I've been thinking the whole show how to address it because I don't want to unnecessarily inflame the people. But there's a big story that broke yesterday. I've been getting a lot of comment. I'm going to address it on my show because I don't want to address it anywhere else where I can't control the conversation because you don't know. Because a lot of people aren't familiar with the details of it. Right. So check it out in the show notes. It's actually a pretty fascinating piece. Joe hadn't heard the story either. Um, story in the Washington Examiner. I think the Guardian actually broke it to give them uh, credit. But the story is about a Russian asset that was working in the Russian embassy in Moscow basically someone who was involved with spying type operations uh, who was working in the Russian embassy in Moscow. She was working for the secret service. The story has ballooned into various degrees of hyperbolic nonsense. Some of it, was she involved in the collusion scandal? Did she, no, I'm not even kidding, Joe. There are some people who, this is why mm. guys and ladies, by the way, this is important. This is why I, if you follow me on Twitter, I so strongly and vigorously fight against press people who put out false narratives. Who have The people commenting, ladies and gentlemen, understand, have zero expertise in these matters at all. Zero. Now, they know almost nothing about how the program works. I know it because I can tell about the commentary. <laughs> now, this is going to surprise a lot of you. I know this person. Joe was like, what you do? <laughs> yeah, I do. I was on an investigative assignment to Russia 
trying to think of the date. I don't know. It was around 2004, maybe. I don't know. 2004. I was a, I was assigned to the Secret Service Training Center at the time. And long story short, when you're in a foreign embassy, this is gonna it's gonna blow your mind, folks. But I want you to hear it on my show. You know, my wife and I debated talking about it because we're not. We're, I'm telling you right now, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. I'm not. So please, I, and I just uh, you can. He- my hesitancy is because I'm trying to be careful in telling you the truth and and getting away from the media narrative. But I'm really not trying to throw anybody under the bus here. But. Here's how it went down. So we had an office. The Secret Service has an office and had an office in Moscow. It was fully staffed. Uh, we have them all over Paris. It wasn't just Moscow. We had one in Brazil, Colombia, all over the place. Not unusual. And the reason, by the way, because, again, press people are stupid and they have no idea, is we have to interact with foreign intelligence folks and foreign security forces. Joe, why do you think that is? Let me ask you a question, okay? Joe. Yeah. You're a Secret Service agent, right? We do a lot yeah. of trips to Russia. We do a lot of trips to the region. Yeah. Do you think it's important if we go to Russia that we do some liaison work with the local Russians on the ground yeah. to find out who may want to kill the president? Yeah. No, yeah. no, no. no. <laughs> Forget. We'll just make it up ourselves, right? See, the press yeah. is stupid. So they don't, why did the Secret Service have an office in Russia? Well, idiots, because a lot of credit card fraud originated from Russia, and we need the Russians to get these cases. They're so dumb, it's hard to believe. Why does the Secret Service have an office in Colombia? Ah, eh, because a good significant portion of the world's counterfeit comes out of Colombia, and the Colombian police help us do it. And by the way, we travel to South America, and when we do, we need the local uh, local law enforcement and intelligence assets to keep the president alive. You know, little stuff like you idiots in the media have no familiarity with. I know you're in your offices and your rinky-dink little stand-up desks and you're right. You're, God, why is the Secret Service? I know you hate the voice, folks. This is the only time it's appropriate. Why is the Secret Service? I don't understand in Russia because you're idiots, because you guys write stories about us for a living and you don't understand what the real world is like, you dopes. <laughs> so stupid, man. So They are. They're so dumb. <laughs> There's a reason. The FBI has an office in Russia. They have a league out over, legal attache. Our guy got kicked out years ago, a long time ago. I think it was 2002. Forgive me if I'm off by a year or so. I've been out a long time, but 2002, 2003, the Secret Service supervisor over there. Joe, we may go a few minutes over here, so just bear with me. But This is an important story, and I don't want you hearing this from anybody else, especially media idiots who have no idea how this works. Our guy got kicked out. It's called getting PNG, persona non grata, meaning get out of the country now or this is going to end well for you. They kicked our guy out for a multitude of reasons, having nothing specifically to do with him, by the way. It just had, it was, they kicked out a bunch of people in the U.S. and he was one of them. In order to maintain an investigative and protective presence in that region, they rotated agents in, Joe. So there was no supervisor. There was no permanent presence mm-hmm. because the guy we had got kicked out. You're tracking me? Yep. This is super important. I need you to really yep. focus, Joe, on this because if my audience loses me, you'll, I'll have done you a huge disservice. Okay. They rotated agents in. The agents were taken from the field. I was in the training center at the time as an instructor, and I remember seeing the email saying, hey, we're looking for people to do a three-week temp to the Moscow resident office, RO, they called it. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go over. So I went over with uh, another agent friend of mine, and we were there for three weeks. The first night we were there, the guy I went over with, who is an experienced, he worked for another law enforcement agency, I'm not going to say what, but he was very experienced in detecting activities, let's say, Joe. Mm-hmm. The first night we were there, we smelled a rat. You picking up what I'm putting down? That quickly? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And 
immediately took action. I'm not going to say what it was, but it's all thankfully on the record. <laughs> we right away, because him and I were not dopes, we're like, um, yeah, not on my watch, but thank you. <laughs> we suspected right away um, what was going on. Now, I say all that because due to how the program was run, this woman stayed for a little while. Now, we had left. We were only there for three weeks. Uh, thankfully, we did everything we could at the time. Um, but the woman stayed for a while. And now the service, who I, you know, listen, I don't think they're trying to, the Secret Service head is. I think they're pretty clear that a mistake was made. No one's sitting here going, hey, we did this all right. The people who were involved in it, by the way, are long gone, um, who I don't think followed up like they could have. But, um, the program, ladies and gentlemen, the backgrounds were not run by the Secret Service. The FSN program, the Foreign Service National Program, is run by the State Department. Now, again, I'm not saying this to throw anybody under the bus. I'm just giving you the facts because the media people, again, who never had real jobs for a living, don't seem to understand any of this. Foreign Service Nationals, they're called FSNs, work in embassies all over the world. You know who they are, Joe? They're foreigners who work in the embassy. The Russian correct. embassy in the United the United States embassy in Russia, as I should say. That's the more precise way to say it. The United States embassy in Russia has Russians working everywhere. If you've been there, like I have, you know what I mean. They're all over the place. You may say, well, that's kind of dumb. Yep, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, you're not going to get any argument for me. But this happens all over the world. Some of it's for a good reason. Some of it isn't. But a lot of these FSNs are employed in embassies because we have embassies around the world to, conju- to conduct protection operations, sometimes joint intelligence operations, anti-terror. It's not an invaluable, um, excuse me, it's not a totally not valuable program, triple, double, quadruple, negative. There is value to it. I think the program, though, has expanded too much. And we said as much when we were there. And we thought so. But our opinions, you know, we were at the time GS-13s. I mean, we didn't, you know, we, our say didn't matter much. But the program does have some value. And what's upsetting me is the stories being written like this was exclusively the Secret Service show. The Secret Service, what I'm trying to tell you, did not background check and vet this woman. That program is run by the State Department. Mm. It is not the Secret Service. What I'm trying to tell you, folks, is if you say... Hey, Joe Armacost is legit. He's not a foreign spy. We did the background. What, well, who is the Secret Service to, 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 uh, to challenge that? They're right. not an intelligence outfit. It's a protection law enforcement outlet. But I'm telling you, I know this person. And maybe one day we'll talk a little more. But we did what we could. You tracking, Joe? And it means a lot to me because I, you know, I, my wife yesterday when someone sent me this email, I'm a little banged up about this. I'm sorry. And this is why I spent so long because we spent the whole night. I'm trying to take a break and get away from this all, folks. Not from you. That's why I never take a break from my show because I love it. But I've been really stressed out lately. I mean, (laughs) listen, it's not a, I'm not a snowflake. I'll deal with it. Okay. My skin is pretty thick. But there's a lot going on behind the scenes I don't talk about on the show because I don't want to waste your time. But I really was just trying for a weekend to get away from it. And this hit last night. And my wife is like, oh, my God. You told me about this, what, 
14 years ago? I said, yep. And all night, do we tell, you know, what do we say to the audience? Because I really, I didn't want this to come off like we're trying to throw anybody under the bus. But I owe you the, the truth. You're my audience. And I, I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm only, all, all I can do is tell you what really happened. And that's what happened. And uh, I just wish someone would have listened a little sooner. This is kind of a sad story. Because I think a lot of people are going to go down a bit on this. So, Russians are smart, folks. They know exactly what they're doing. And we tried. All right. Thanks again for listening. I'm sorry, uh, I, but I just wanted you to hear that from me. I didn't want to, you know, I know a lot of you have emailed me for the take on it. So, there you go. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. Um, Please, I'm sorry, I'm sounding so lost right now. Please subscribe to the show. It helps us out on the charts on iTunes and iHeart, the follow button. And, uh, you know, if you want to email us and give us your feedback, we'd love to hear it. So uh, thanks a lot. I'll see you all on Monday. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.